0: Amen. I have one goal today, and that is to help you to believe more that God wants to use you more uh, because He loves people more. I believe that we just want to expand our faith today to increase our faith to believe that God wants to use everyday normal people to reach the lost because He loves them that much. And He loves using you. So I'm going to talk to you this morning. Actually, this is more of a teaching I told our team we'd be doing more of a teaching today, but I want to talk to you about God's guiding influence, God's guiding influence, specifically as we're going through the book of Acts, there's a lot of chapters we've gone through and are going to go through about prophecy, dreams, and visions, and if you don't kind of have a framework for that, uh, I want to kind of give that to you so that we can look at this as the journey that we're on and really understand how God likes to use people, uh, even today. So God's guiding influence. Let me give you a story to kick us off this morning. The guy's name was Murray Brown. Murray, he laid awake on the bed of a fifth floor in a little town of Africa. He was on the fifth floor of this hospital in Ghana, Africa. An explosion had left him severely burned on his hands, his his stomach, and his legs. And he lay there and the doctor said he'd have to have skin grafts severely, severely burned. He was bound up and he couldn't move. He's on this bed in this fifth floor of this African hospital, sitting there at night alone, bandaged, unable to move. And along the wall, he begins to see this movement in the dark of the night. He sees a parade of African ants coming across the floor, going up to his hospital bed, coming over all of his bandages, and he's unable to move, and they begin to go on into every bandage and every crevice and just begin to bite and to eat him, chewing on his burnt flesh. Can you imagine? He begins to cry out like everybody would, and, but there's no nurses on shift. This is many years ago, because Murray had called, been called by God with his wife. In the early night, in the mid 1900s, to go to Africa, and in this time and this day, without the modern technology, he was there in that place alone. So, as he began to cry, he cried out three times: "Help! Help! Somebody help! Anybody there to help me?" And across the world, in a little town of Nebraska, one of his friends was sound asleep. But suddenly, he startled. He woke up. He heard a cry, so he ran, to, uh, left his wife in the bed to go check on his children, and he went and looked at his children. And he heard "Help!" And no one was there, thinking it was one of his kids, but finding they were all asleep, he went back to bed. And again, laying down to go to sleep, he heard it again, help. He jumped out of bed to go to see his kids, and again, they were still asleep. And when he heard the third cry, help me, is anybody there to help me? He instantly in the spirit knew it was Murray's voice. So he goes back to his bedroom, he wakes his wife up, and they begin to pray for this missionary friend of theirs that they had met. And to Murray's amazement, at that very same time, the ants began to immediately stop biting, paraded off his bed, down the hospital bed, across the floor as if someone had called them away. The next morning when the doctors came in, they opened his wounds to find that he didn't need skin grafts anymore, that his uh, skin was recovering, and finally, after uh, months of rehabilitation, there would only be a tiny scar left on Murray's leg. Uh... And God had woken another couple up in the middle of the night, not only to pray for against the ants, but that he would be healed for doing the work of the Lord. How many know that God still uses everyday people for extraordinary things? And our, my challenge, my call, my question is, am I a person that God can use? Am I a guy that God can wake up in the middle of the night to pray for someone on the other side of the world? This couple would later find out months, months later would later find out by Murray that was the exact same night that the ants had went away. They didn't know why God asked them to wake up in the early morning hours to pray for this missionary. They had no reason. They had no answers even after they were done. But months later, they'd find out God was using them in extraordinary ways. How many want to be used by God in extraordinary ways? You see, there's a problem today is... Some can argue about prophecy, dreams, and visions, and other gifts of the Spirit. Some might say, well, they ended with the New Testament church, and all we have now is the Bible, and that's all we need. And there's a, a view of Christianity that believes that today. And on the other flip side, you've got a view of Christianity. If you get on, and I did this this week, if you get on YouTube and type in dreams and visions and prophecies, you're going to get all kinds of crazy stuff, from end times to the presidential election to how to interpret dreams and how to you know, get dreams, and you can go way off and left field. And the Bible says in the last days there are going to be all kinds of false teachers and false False prophets. There's going to be all kinds of false teachings, even to sway the elect. And he says, you're going to know these people by their fruits. Now, here's the deal. We can go to one side and say, well, God doesn't use people anymore. He just gives us the Bible, and we live our life. And you can swing to the other way and get all kinds of lost in things. And the Bible even says in the last days there will be even false doctrines, doctrines of demons that will sway people into all kinds of crazy theologies and philosophies. Let me just say this. We believe... That New Testament Christianity is based in Scripture. We have a Bible that is our all uh, authority, our all of our faith. Everything comes from this Bible. It's inspired by God, inerrant, infallible. And and the Bible says, and Paul says, that if anybody preaches a different gospel or a different teaching than this, even if an angel comes to you and says something different than this word says, let him be accursed, let him be rejected, that this Bible is what we stand on. But let me tell you something. I believe, too, that we still need the Holy Spirit to guide us in everyday life. The Bible gives us many generalities and doctrines on how to live your life, but it doesn't tell you what job you should choose. It doesn't tell you to get up at 3 in the morning to pray for a missionary across the world. It, it, we need the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen. Is that true? We need the Holy Spirit to guide us in this Christian. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to give you the comfort, the teacher, the advocate. He's with you. And when I read this book of Acts... I see a group of people who not only knew the Word of God soundly, but had angels visit them when they were in prison. They had prophecy come to them and tell them things like, Paul, you're going to be in prison. And they had uh, words of knowledge and wisdom. They had exhortations. They had dreams and visions that guided them to do what God had called them to do in their day and time. And I believe... We just want to realign ourselves to biblical New Testament Christianity. And I'm not going to let false teaching on either side dissuade me. Let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Let's believe God that we can have a sound biblical doctrine and teaching, but also believe in the supernatural works of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what we're here to do today. I believe that God still speaks to those who will listen. So am I someone God can speak to? Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Let me set this up. Acts chapter 2, verse 17. If you're there, somebody say amen. Prophecy, dreams, and visions. Joel says, and Peter is quoting it, he says, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I'll pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters, that's your kids, will prophesy. Your young men, that's the fit age, that's like young adulthood, young middle age, they shall see visions. And on your old men, that's the elders, the statesmen, that's the the people who are uh, older parents and grandparents, they shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves or house servants, both men and women, in those days I will pour forth my spirit and they shall... Prophesy, Now grant wonders in the sky above and on the earth below, blood and fire, vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." Joel prophesies this in the Old Testament. Okay, follow with me. Peter is on the day of Pentecost after the New Testament is started. Jesus has just ascended. The Holy Spirit has just been poured out. The church has begun. And Peter stands up by the Spirit, says this prophecy that Joel said. He says, this is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of the last days of the world. The beginning of the end starts right now. And he says, this prophecy that Joel said is right now. He said, in these last days... And until the Lord comes back, this is the blood and moon smoke stuff. That's when Jesus comes back on his white horse at the very end. He says, But in the last days, which is called the period of the church, the age of the church, the days from the time Jesus left until the time Jesus comes back, he says, This is what those days will be characterized by. Young people will be used by God, middle aged people will be used by God, old people will be used by God. White people, black people, men, women, slave, free, every class of society, every gender, and every age will experience the power of the Holy Spirit just like the prophets did in the Old Testament. Now, everything in the New Testament gets better. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, the New Testament gets better. The New Testament is always better. God doesn't decrease when He pours out His Spirit. It wasn't just, I'm going to give this for one generation or two of Christians and it's going to die away. Everything with Jesus gets better. Everything with Jesus gets better. So in the last days, anybody back in heaven yet? Anybody up? Did Jesus come back on a white horse? Anybody tell me I missed it or something? In the last days, from the time it came, Jesus left, to the time he comes back, he says, young people are going to be used by God. Senior adults are going to be used by God. Women are going to be used by God. Men are going to be used by God. Children, children are going to be used by God. That's what the characteristic of the New Testament church will be. How many believe that? It's not limited to ages. It's not limited to genders. It's not limited to social class or status. God, through Jesus, began a spirit-filled army Ezekiel saw. They rise up. He began a kingdom of priests that Moses saw. He began a nation of prophets to share his message until Jesus returned. And some of these words kind of sound weird. And they sound like, well, I don't know, this prophecy, dreams, and visions, stuff. That's the kind of like crazy people or you know, maybe pastors, evangelists, missionaries, special people. Let me kind of bring these words down to normal people, okay? Can we bring these words down and not just kind of put a stigma on them and reclaim them from maybe some false teaching that happened, okay? So the first one, he says, you will prophesy. Well, let's look what that says. Prophecy. Prophecy. Numbers 11, Moses, with his mentor Joshua, he told Joshua, Joshua, I pray for the day. Are you jealous for my sake? Would I wish, I pray, I would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them. What would the church look like? What would the church look like if all of our children from the youngest age, my little sister five, would begin to hear God's voice? What would it do? to the church in America if all the kids in Kids Church began to know what the voice of God sounded like and that they could hear God speak even in their quiet times? What would it do to the church if all of our children were hearing God speak? Wouldn't that not shake the church? Wouldn't that shake the nation? He said, I wish for the day... God would pour out His Spirit on all people. Peter says it happened already. It happened beginning on the day of Pentecost and continues until the time Jesus comes back. So today we don't have this office of prophet like Moses and Elijah. and we, That was the office of prophet. That was in a New Old Testament time and God only anointed specific special people to give a voice, to be this mouthpiece. Men of old were moved by the Holy Spirit. They had a national stage in presence and they gave these divine words and many of those words became Scripture. The New Testament says we don't have that anymore. We have something in the church. The Bible says He gave offices in the church. They have apostle, prophet, Pastor, evangelist, pastor, teacher. You have this fivefold office. And he says, this is in every church. In every church through, through generations, you have these offices. You have people like evangelists. We have evangelists here in our church. We have people who have prophetic gifts. We have people who are pastors and teachers. We have elders. We have all these things that God has gifted the church to make them uh, who they are called to be. And then even further than that, if you look at the New Testament, let me give you some examples. He began to show us that common people, so we're in Acts. In Acts 11 and 21, there was a guy named Agabus. He was going to prophesy, and he prophesied there was a famine to help the church. To prepare for it. He prophesied to all the churches in Paul's day that there would be a famine, Acts 21, verse 10. Even beyond this, though, Paul's going to tell us in Acts 9, or Luke's going to tell us in Acts 19, even common people were filled with the Spirit. Some people spoke in tongues, some people began to prophesy even in churches. In the book of Corinthians, Paul casually talks about every time the Corinthian church came together, people began hearing God speak to them and telling the church what they felt God was going to say. And that's simply listen to me, that's simply what prophecy is. And instead of looking on doomsday headlines and you know biblicalprophecy.com Prophecy is simply being a mouthpiece for God. It is to hear God speak something to you and then tell someone or do something that God has told you to do. And let me tell you something. That is the normal occurrence for everyday Christians. Many people have been used in this way and don't even know it in many types of denominations. They believe God can. How many believe God can speak to you? And then you can tell someone what you feel like God said to you. Guess what? You just prophesy. It's not this big, scary word. It's a common thing for common people that God loves to use you to reach your neighbors, your family, and your friend. Even Jesus said in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own initiative, but whatever he, the Holy Spirit hears, listen to this, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He's going to glorify me. He's going to take of mine. And he's going to disclose it to you. So think about it. When Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to preach this, he didn't know what he was going to say. He didn't have a script. He didn't practice it. The Holy Spirit just said, Peter, start talking. And he began to talk. And that was prophecy. Let me give you another example. Philip, remember we just did this story. Philip, the Holy Spirit said, Philip, go up to that one chariot. He had to know which chariot it was. Philip, that's the chariot. Run alongside that one. I've got something you want to do. He just felt the Holy Spirit say something and he did it. That was the work of prophecy. Peter, in a vision, he, uh, the Holy Spirit began to, he was praying one night. And Peter, uh, the Acts chapter, 19, uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 19 says, Peter, three men are going to look for you. They're going about to come to your door. And Peter already got his clothes on, got out of the shower, and he knew people were about to ring his doorbell. Because the Holy Spirit told him. Has God ever used you like that? You had little prompts. You had little inklings. You had a little impressions where you felt the Holy Spirit say something to you. That's what God is talking about. He wants to use every single believer in little ways like this. We're not talking about standing in front of an amphitheater of millions of people and prophesying some end days, you know, timeline. Just to be used by God. He says, Kids, your children can be used in God in this way. Mom and dad. How are you encouraging your kids to listen for and hear and then respond to the voice of God? I'm glad our kids are in our worship service today because this is for them. From the earliest age, parents, moms, and dads, we are supposed to be teaching our kids how to hear the voice of God and do what he says. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's, That's what we are here to do, to raise up the next mighty generation for Jesus. So when's the last time the Holy Spirit spoke to you? Sometimes God can speak to you individually. Sometimes God can speak to someone to give a word to someone else. Or sometimes God can speak through a church service. Like when the Holy Spirit said in the middle of a worship service in Acts, the Holy Spirit, through an individual, said out loud, Hey, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. I'm calling them to world missions. Somebody felt led in the middle of a worship service, went to the pastor and said, Hey, I got a, I got a word. I feel like God's telling me to tell you this something. And they went to the front of the church and they said, Hey, God's calling these two to be missionaries. Let's come forward and pray for them. It wasn't weird. It wasn't spooky. It was just something. This is what New Testament Christianity is supposed to look like. We're supposed to be people of the Spirit. Amen? Yeah. Moved by the Spirit. Let me give you one example. In 2005, in 2005, I went to Haiti, and on my first sermon, I was nervous. I had, I had never preached before, much less Preach in another country, uh, much less preach with an interpreter. I was 20 years old, wasn't even going to the ministry. I was a psych major on a university campus, and so I went on this mission trip. And the pastor said, "Hey, guess what? You're going to preach." I'm like, "Where's my pepto bismol?" You know, like where I need. To, I was prepped for like two months out writing this sermon, and wouldn't you know it? I get there, get into Haiti. They 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 speak uh, French Creole. I don't know anything about French Creole, and so I go to this little hut. We walk up this mountain, and it's a, not even a quarter of this room. It's statch walls, tin roof, and I am sweating bullets. And here's why. Because that very night, before I got up the next morning, the Lord told me, don't preach that message you have already pre-written and studied for a month and a half. I had no computer. I had no notes. I had no commentaries. I had a notepad in my Bible I had never preached before in my entire life. And God said, you are reading something this morning, and I was reading the verse I read to you this morning, Isaiah 41, he will uphold you by his strong right hand. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just jot some stuff down, I, I don't know what, I, I don't even remember what the message says. It's probably so off or the translator probably changed it when I was speaking in English, he just made it good, because in the middle of this, there's about a packed little thatch hut, I began to speak in English, and he's speaking French, and I've been speaking English, and he's speaking French, I was, I, I was nervous. And in the back of the room, about right there, at the end of the service, as we called for the altar, God began to move, and people received the Holy Spirit, and different things happened. But a mom and a young little girl stood up, and the Holy Spirit said, that's them. That's them. (laughs) I remember, this is 20-plus years later, that little mom and that little girl, because God changed this little 20-year-old, my my little 20-year-old person's message in the middle of the night because he said, I wanted them to know I got them. And Haiti, you don't eat much. You barely make it. And I don't know what they were going through, but I remember when I laid hands on them, I felt the Holy Spirit come down on that little mom. I don't know where they are today. I don't know if they're even alive. It was before the earthquake. God wants to speak to you because he loves them. He wants to use you because he loves them. He needs someone to tell them something. And if it's waking you up in the middle of the night to pray for someone or to speak into your life so that you can speak to someone else, you don't know what people are going through and how they need to hear God's voice. Be God's mouthpiece. Teach your children to be God's mouthpiece. Let me give you another one. Next he says they'll be used in, not just in prophecy, but in visions. And again, not in the weird spooky avenue, but visions simply mean to see. Is to have something revealed to you. Visions, they can tell the future, but they always are going to impact the present. Sometimes they can be in dreams. You think about the Old Testament. Abraham and Jacob had visions. Jacob had a ladder. Uh, Samuel had a vision in the night. He said, Samuel, Samuel, come here. Prophets like Samuel were seers. There's even a moment where Samuel saw where Saul's donkeys were, and he found the donkeys. I mean, he saw where the donkeys were. Daniel had repeating visions, Isaiah, the minor prophets. Every time the prophet uh, in the Old Testament, almost all their prophecies are called visions, that God revealed something to them. Not necessarily like, again, apocalyptic visions, weird stuff, but he had visions. Prophets were called seers. They saw what God was doing. In fact, when the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish, he's saying that what happened was when Israel wasn't hearing from the prophets, when Israel had the Old Testament in pieces, they didn't hear God speaking through the prophets. It says, they began to be unrestrained. They began to perish. Why? Because God just seemed like he was just something in an old dead book. But when the prophet spoke, it's like God became alive again to them. That God was still acting, He was still working. And what I feel today in American Christianity, many people just feel like we got this old, dead religion because they're not seeing that God is still speaking. He's still working. He's still moving in and through regular, everyday people. So, where there is no revelation, where God is not showing people things, people begin to fall away from God. That's what the Bible says. Even in the New Testament, Zechariah had a vision of the angel. Saul had a vision of Jesus on the road to Damascus. Ananias had a vision of Saul and had to go pray for him. Peter had a a trance-like vision where he saw unclean animals in the sky, and God said, take eat. Cornelius was praying and had a vision of an angel telling him to go find Peter. Agabus the prophet had a vision, like I said, of this worldwide famine. Paul says, "I was a vision in my sleep. It was a dream and a vision. Where in the middle of the night he said... A guy was in my dream and he said, Come over here to Greece and start preaching the gospel. So he took it as a sign from God to change course in the way he was going and go over to Greece. Visions are not weird or spooky, they're just how God sometimes gets a hold of us. Let me give you an example. I remember one time as, as a young adult pastor, I was ministering with this married couple. I've been coming to our church for a little while and he was really having trouble. She'd come often without him and he really was struggling to let God in and we've been praying with him and trying to get him to come to church and it was like this this wife was trying to pull her husband and she really couldn't get a hold of him and one night on an evening he came to our young adult service and I remember praying for this young man. As I began to pray for him, I saw a picture, which is what a vision is, just seeing a picture. I saw a picture of a large wall and a young boy crying and kneeling down behind this, uh, this large wall, and I knew in the Spirit it was him. And I shared with him what I saw as I prayed with him, and instantly I knew what it was. In the Spirit, I knew. Just the Holy Spirit revealed to me what it was, that he had made this large wall from himself that he had walled his wife, his family, even God out because there was something his father had done to him as a child. And because of what he viewed his father as, he could not let God in. That's pretty specific. And as I said that, he began to break down and cry because God was really saying something. Son, I see you. I love you. I'm willing to use this crazy, spiky-haired, young adult pastor... In Columbia, Missouri, to speak to you, to tell you something. I've been trying to break down this wall for some time, and you've got to let me in. You see, it's not about me or a vision or it's not about us as a people. It's how God loves to seek and save the lost. He wants to break through people's walls. He wants to show them that he's a God who's not just in an old dusty book from an old dusty pastor. He's right there where they are trying to get into their life. And he's looking for someone who can see and show them who God can be to them. He is a good, good father. Can you let God use do you? Can you believe today that God wants to use you in this way? Let me challenge you with that. In Scripture in the New Testament, how do these visions only occur? Two times in Acts, it says they occurred while someone was praying. They were with a praying type of person. Visions came to praying people. Praying people. God doesn't speak if we're not listening, they often come in prayer. The Holy Spirit's going to confirm those things. It's not just going to be something you get. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you. In fact, there's much warning. Again, there's false prophets. There's false visions. There's false dreams. The Bible repeatedly warns us against things that lead us astray. We want to know that. They can be used by fleshly people to cause problems in the church. And we shouldn't seek after these spiritual things, but we should be open to receive them. And I'll say this just to clarify. In the day that we live in with all this, uh, with end time stuff, if you've been a part of our end time series, you'll know real well a biblical framework but no one will receive a vision above their position. In a sense, when we say, if you are not a pastor who has a national platform, you probably won't be getting national visions for the nation. It'll probably be just things for you or those that are around you. There'll be things for you. Uh, he's not going to give someone something for you if it hasn't already been confirmed for you. Be wary of people who come and tell you words and knowledge, and they're going to give you prophecies over your life. Be wary of that, because unless the Holy Spirit confirms it to you, and that you've already been praying about those things, it's probably not from God. You need to take all those things to prayer, take it all to the Bible. Everything is going to agree with this Bible. Nothing is going to be outside of it. And if there's a vision or a dream or any kind of thing that tells you to do something the Bible says is wrong or doesn't sit right with your spirit, reject it. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Go seek a pastor, an elder, and help them counsel with you on those things. And all, here's what I said. If you were the devil and you wanted to get people not to be supernatural, what would you do? You would on one sense say that God doesn't do that anymore and get them to believe the most secular version of Christianity we can believe, a man-centered Christianity. Or you would throw out so many types of falsehoods that people would be leery of God using anything supernatural because there's so much craziness and bad things out there. That would be a perfect strategy. I believe that's what he's doing today. Get us not to do either. Let's either be a man-focused church or let's not be the crazy church. Let's not be crazy. Because, yes, there is a lot of crazy, but I'm not going to let crazy people and false prophets and doctrines of demons ruin me from being used by God. I believe God still uses people today. Let me go on. The next is dreams. What if God wanted to use you to change somebody's life? Have you ever had a reoccurring dream, reoccurring nightmare? Some crazy dreams out there, right? Right? Some crazy, you know Ezekiel, uh, in Ecclesiastes, sorry, it says too much activity gives you a restless dream. So I was a psych major. I went back and looked at some dream uh, science. You know, you dream three to six times per night. Three to six times per night you dream about five to 20 minutes each time. And uh, you know, 95% of those dreams you will forget, says science. You dream with the deepest part of your sleep called REM sleep. You have these cycles that go up and down. REM sleep is rapid eye movements where your, your brain is really in deep sleep. And you dream and undream and dream and stop, and you kind of go out in these phases. Well, dreams happen at that, that low point. So you dream a few times a night, and normally you dream something for a few reasons. So dreams can be a lot of reasons. Number one, you watch a scary movie before you go to bed at night. You might have horror movies in your head at night. But sometimes you dream about what you just watched. on TV or what you've been thinking about a lot. You dream uh, sometimes pieces of your day. You had random moments. You'd be like, you got a rabbit at work typing on a typewriter because you watched something about Bugs Bunny and then you were thinking about work. I mean, your your brain is like a screensaver. Things from your day can kind of get jumbled together and come together and you have those weird dreams that you don't want to ever tell anybody about, you know, or you are stressed perhaps. Someone's got a deadline at work or you're behind. You ever had a dream about things chasing you? How many people have a dream about things chasing you, right? I've dreamed about things chasing me all the time. When a recurring dream, I have a dream about alligators in a river chasing me. I've had that dream over and over again multiple times. You know what that is? It's called stress. (laughs) That's what it is. I know. I have a psych degree. It's called stress. Sometimes we have reoccurring dreams that happen because you got deadlines, you got all this stuff on you and you're trying to run to keep ahead of the, the, the wheel. The, you know, your life's you know, coming out of control. You're trying to hold the things together. You might have a dream about falling. You might have a dream about falling before and you wake up right before you hit the ground. Yeah, all right, those all have meanings. Those normally that's stress or things like that. Sometimes your brain begins to compute things. You ever had a problem uh, that you couldn't figure out and you dreamed the solution to the problem and you woke up and you're like, I know how to handle it now. Because sometimes your brain works better when you ain't on. (laughs) Uh, That's maybe a lot of people. But, you know, your your brain kind of puts things together. It's the best computer in the world. There's no computer compared to your brain. But God sometimes uses dreams. In the Old Testament, we had a lot of dreams. Think about this. In the Old Testament, God commuted to Abraham. Remember Jacob and his ladder? You got Joseph and the prince of dreams. You know, Joseph had all these dreams about he was going to save his family. He didn't interpret, he didn't know the interpretation until years later. Pharaoh had some dreams that Joseph interpreted. God gave dreams to Midian's army when Israel, they were like Israel surrounded. God put dreams in the bad guy's army and they woke up scared to even fight because they had all these bad dreams. That's pretty cool stuff. I mean, he put bad dreams in the bad guy's army so that when they woke up, the army was gone. They didn't have to fight because God was using dreams on their behalf. Samuel, as a boy, heard those voices in his sleep time. Remember Solomon who asked for wisdom? You know, that was in a dream. In a dream, he talked to God and asked for wisdom. How cool is that? Talking to God in a dream and got what you asked for. Daniel had all kinds of crazy dreams. In the New Testament, Joseph, dreams. He had a dream not to divorce Mary. He had a dream to go to Egypt. He had a dream to go back to Nazareth. Magi were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. Paul had a dream, I told you, about going to uh, Troas in Greece. Pilate's wife, remember that? Before Jesus was going down the cross, Pilate said, I had a dream about this man, don't kill him. So she had a dream about Jesus, even an unbeliever. God uses dreams sometimes. This is probably the least of the ways, but they are important. I'll give you an example for me. In In December 2010, I'd been fasting a lot. I had a sermon, I listened to a sermon, much like what you're hearing today, where God, I believed... This pastor gave a sermon, and I believed that God wanted to use me more. So I began to fast and pray for like a month. Not, I, didn't, I ate, but just not a lot, you know, for a month. And as I just said, Lord, I want to be used by you. God, use me in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How are you going to use me, God? I'm tired of not being used. I don't want to live a normal Christian life. I want to live a life like this, what I see in your word. I'm rejecting this other kind of Christianity that says, just be a good person, read the Bible, go to church. I believe God still does this today. So I began to pray. That morning, I just began ministry. I was just like first year of ministry. I woke up from a dream with sweats. It was one of those dreams with a tsunami, and I woke up right before, and I I don't have time today to go into all the details and the prophetic stuff about it. I woke up from that dream, and I had a vision of the church at the end of all of this, when, when all this is going to end and God gave me a word for the, my ministry, for the church of what I was supposed to do, that I was supposed to begin to wake up the church who is on vacation. He said, the church is going to be on vacation when I come back. Many will see the end coming, but they'll know not how quick it is until it's too late. Many of the church will be on vacation when I come back. And that has been a marker of my ministry and why I'm here in the Bible Belt, Louisiana today to wake up the church. Because many saints are on vacation. As soon as I woke up from that vision and uh, that dream, I woke up in sweats as if I had that that had happened to me and I would have been left behind. And I, I went over to my office and God said, This is what I told you in this dream. He told me the verse in Matthew chapter 48, 24 as in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. I didn't put it all together. And instantly, for weeks, I felt the anxiety and the tension of that dream. It just weighed on me. In fact, for one year later, I even painted a picture of the dream that I saw. It's in my house at home. And to this day, I can still feel it. I can still live there. I can still close my eyes and see what I saw that day. Because it wasn't a crazy dream where I ate a bunch of pizza before bed and I didn't have a good upset, you know, I had a sick stomach and you put all this crazy movies together and then you're like, oh God, that was crazy. Is that a God dream? Now, when you have a dream and it's from the Lord, you'll know. And so confirm it and it'll line up with Scripture. Let me give you another example. Here, 2019. I had had a dream of our elders and our youth, our leadership team at Gina High School. And we were in a circle and we were singing a specific song that we later learned. And Miss Georgia was there, playing her tambourine. And I had this dream that God was going to take us to the high school. I had no idea. I had no idea. That, that was like not even on our board or mind radar to go to the high school. I didn't even why did we need to go there? Why would we need to go to the high school? Later on, I had a vision about where Miss Paula is seated, and I heard the voice of the Lord in my spirit say, Nine months, nine months, nine months. I'm like, Lord, we're not pregnant. We're not getting pregnant. I'm done. We got two kids, and then it is a new season of our life. And I heard that, and other things, I won't go into all the details, many things begin to confirm what God was telling me, and I begin to put it all together. God said, You're going to go to the high school for nine months. I'm like, God, that doesn't make any sense. I went over to the high school and, and prayed, and I asked Mr. Jackson, Can I go pray over this building? I don't even know why we're supposed to be here. And I was about to bring it to my board, our board here, and our elders, and our deacons, and our, you know, our, our leadership team. I'm like, They're not going to go for this. Why would we ever do that? We got, I mean, kids over here, adults over there. That's not going to work out. Why would we? We don't, we don't need to do that. Lord, just put it on and put it on and put it on. I just wept before them. If the leaders are here, I just wept. Like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but this is what I asked you to go with me. And we did. I had no idea why. And looking back, do you know that during those nine months when we were over there, our kids' team learned how to do a whole campus for kids' ministry? We were able to do this phase one of our remodel debt free. Debt free. We came back in here in 2020. Right before a specific outbreak happened in the world. And had we not done what we did, had we been halfway through our project, had we started any day later, we would have been in the middle of a COVID outbreak, in the middle of a remodel when things shut down. We'd have lost tens of thousands of dollars. We would have, if we had stayed at the high school, we would have lost the place where we could have lost. We wouldn't have this beautiful facility and things that we have today. And if we had taken out a loan like we had planned to do to build a brand new million dollar facility, we would have lost it to debt. Because during COVID, we weren't hardly able to pay the bills here. God knows what he's doing. God is faithful. God has been watching out for this church. He knew exactly when we needed to go over there, exactly when we needed to remodel to combat. Aren't you, glad we're debt-free. We made it through this pandemic. Got a beautiful, full sanctuary today. And God's still working on our good. But God's smarter than me. I'm nobody. I'm just some guy up here on this pulpit. Somebody gave me the keys to this building. But God is God. And God knows how to lead you and your family through financial difficulty, on the right job choices. He knows how to help you make wise decisions like, uh, like Solomon. God, I need wisdom. God met him in a dream to give him wisdom to lead a nation. What if you begin to open yourself up? Mom and Dad, listen to me. What if we weren't filling our minds with so much junk before we went to bed, but we began to fill it with the word of God and went down to prayer before we went to bed so that our minds could receive something from the Lord? And when we went down to bed, not stressed out about all the junk and pressures of life, but we went down to bed in peace and said, Holy Spirit, I know you have my day. You have my tomorrow. Jesus said, don't worry about this day or the next day, for this day has enough on its own. And if you seek the Lord and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the things you need are going to be added unto you. So just seek God. Wouldn't you love to just sleep in heavenly peace? We sing that Christmas song, sleep in heavenly peace. You know that's available for you today? That God, if he can't get you in your daytime, he can speak in your nighttime. David says, I want to meditate on you in the night watches. That David, I believe, many of his songs came to him in his sleep. Man, what if God gave you a song for him? Man, what if God gave you an idea for your company or for your family? What if he answered some of your questions as you sleep? But if you're, not, if you're going to bed stressed, if you're going to bed not reading your Bible, you're not going to bed in a prayerful state, how could he ever speak to you? Mom and dad, put the phones up in the home before we go to sleep at night. Go back to family devotionals, pray together, read your Bible together, and go to bed on purpose knowing this is not something we seek, but we're open to the Lord speaking. I don't live in this place every single day. This is not something that happens every single week. But throughout my life, I've learned this. God loves to use normal everyday people. Why? Because he loves normal everyday people and he's here to save normal everyday people. All these things I'm telling you, and the Bible says in John 1, John, 1 John chapter 4, test the spirits to see if this is from the Lord. Go to an elder, go to a, a leader, go to a pastor, and ask them to pray with you about these things. If God's given you something or someone shares something with you, don't over-spiritualize things. Every dream you have is not going to be a God dream. I'm a pastor. I'm here in this building a lot, so I dream about church stuff a lot. doesn't mean it's from the Lord. God's going to confirm those things. But here's this, and I close. God still speaks to those who will listen. God still speaks to those who will listen. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, and with this, chapter 13, he says, If I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all kinds of God's secret plans. If I possess all knowledge. If I had such faith that I could move mountains, but if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. You see, these things are not for your benefit, they're not to make you feel cool or feel. Everybody looked at you and said, ooh, they're a very spiritual, spooky person. Or, oh, man, look at what they can do. It's not for you. It's because God loves people. He loves the lost. And he wants to raise up a mighty generation, a New Testament, Spirit-filled church who is not lost in the false doctrine and has not thrown out his spirit out of the church, but believes that God can make the supernatural normal in your life, that he can use you in speaking, and you have say, I, have, I feel like I, the Lord told me something for you, or man, I feel like that God said this, or man, I really saw this when I was praying, or I dreamed this last night, and this might be the Lord. Can you pray with me about this? And God might just use you to save someone's life and their eternal soul. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to be like Samuel. When Eli told little Samuel, the little boy, Samuel comes to Eli in the middle of the night and says, Eli, I heard this voice It said, Samuel, Samuel. And Eli said, Samuel, if he keeps doing that, go back and say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Could that be our prayer today as we end this, this moment? That our prayer is, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Children, young kids and kids' church, this is for you. Teenagers, if anybody in this room it's for, this is for our teenagers. God wants to use you. He wants to use you. I don't care. It's not for full-time pastors. It's not for missionaries. It's not for evangelists. It is for men and women, boys and girls, old and young. God wants to speak to you and through you because he loves someone around you. I do not go everywhere you are. I do not know everyone you know. The Holy Spirit is going to equip you in this last days to seek and save the lost. How many people would come to church and follow you in your faith because they're like, wow, God became real to me. I see that God broke through through that person. God loved me so much that he was willing to use that person to speak into my life. Wouldn't that make a powerful statement than just some pastor down the road gave them an invitation in the mail to come to church? But if they had a friend or a family member who said, God woke me up last night and gave me a word for you, or you're at the checkout line and say, hey, God's telling me something about you. You've been going through a hard time and the Lord says this to you. Man, what would we could do to shake the world if from a young age we started teaching our kids to walk in the Spirit and not be spooky and not go into false teaching and doctrine, and not to change and say, "Well, the church is just a bunch of dead stuff. But say, guys, God's going to do something awesome in your life. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? If you're in this place and you're lost and you don't know Jesus, I want you to see one thing. Look at through Scripture how much He was willing to do to speak to people just like you. Look how God was willing to break through in people's lives to speak to people just like you. It is no coincidence you're here today that God has got you here. Maybe you're listening to this online. It's no coincidence. God has been working on your life. He's been trying to reach you. He's been trying to speak to you. He sent people in your place. He sent, he sent things in, and maybe even thoughts in your mind. God loves you with an everlasting love. As I said it this morning, Isaiah 41. He chose you. He knows where you are. Don't look to your situations. Don't look to your circumstances. He chooses you. He can be your God. He can take you from that place by His strong right hand through Jesus Christ. He can take you out of that place you're at, and He can make you into the person He's calling you to be. He loves you even when you're away from Him, That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that He loves us. He's willing to break through those walls like that young man put up. He's willing to send people into your pathway so you'll know there is a God. His name is Jesus, and He died on the cross for your sins, and He was buried, and He was risen on the third day, and today He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for you. He's calling you. He's raised up a church that would be established on the world to seek and save the lost until He comes. He could have ended it that day on Calvary, but He wanted to tarry so that all might come in, that whosoever might believe might be saved. For the Lord is patient. He is willing that none should perish but come to everlasting life. That is why God is raising up a supernatural church in these last days. Because the time. Time is short. He is coming soon. And He loves you. He loves you. That's for you. If that's you today, I want to just encourage you right where you are. If you'll just begin to pray. You just begin to repent. That means to turn from anything you've done, your sin, any rebellion in your heart. And you just begin to turn your will and your care and your heart over to the Lord, just to confess Jesus as Lord of your life, repent of your sin, and ask Him to come in in the Holy Spirit to take up residency in you, to just believe this is the good news. Jesus is for you.